Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is the Stefan Levera podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics. As you guys will know, my guests today are Parker Lewis and Buck Purley uh, from Unchained Capital. Uh, but just a, a minute uh, while I introduce the sponsors of the show. So firstly, there is Kraken Exchange, Kraken.com, one of the world's leading Bitcoin exchanges. They offer some of the best liquidity. They've got really low fees. They're world renowned. They've got an a very uh, well-known and leading security team in the space, Kraken Security Labs. So make sure you go and check them out here. They've also got live support 24-7, so you can quickly ask, ask questions in the chat and uh, get, get your questions answered. Um, you can also check out some of their other platforms and businesses, such as CryptoWatch, which is cryptowat.ch, and that, that's a trading platform for those of you interested in trading across different exchanges and you can monitor the price obviously there as well. Kraken also have Kraken Pro mobile app, which is a mobile experience uh, for Kraken and that's also Kraken Futures as well if you wanna find that app. The, those apps are available on the Google Play Store and the Apple, uh, the Apple iPhone store as well, App Store rather. Um, so Kraken.com for that one. Next up is Unchained Capital. So Bitcoin Financial Services. Uh, this is obviously the episode today is with some guys from the Unchained Capital team, um, but make sure you check them out, unchained-capital.com. You can find their services, multi-signature vaults, products, and also loans. So you can use Trezor and Ledger, and you can set up with a two of three setup, increasing your security and allowing you to di geographically distribute your keys. So make sure you check them out and also the loan product. So you can put up Bitcoin and get USD. So friends don't let friends sell Bitcoin. So check them out there at unchained-capital.com. Next is Swan Bitcoin. So uh, just now just a disclosure, I am uh, I hold some equity in Swan Bitcoin and I'm also an advisor, but uh, Swan Bitcoin are one of the best ways uh, to stack Bitcoins automatically if you are in the US. So if you've got a US bank account, you can link that up you, and Swan's service will pull the Bitcoin and buy the Bitcoin and then you can withdraw that to your, to your uh, wallet. And so that's very much the encouraged flow. This is the way that you can uh, encourage your friends uh, and family who want to buy Bitcoin and do it regularly. I think the auto buy... Um, psychology is just so much better for you if you want to just regularly buy every week or every month or whatever you, whatever you want to set up. Um, I think this is the way that you've got to look at it. So um, tell your friends and family to check out swanbitcoin.com. Um, last sponsor is CypherSafe. So if you have a hardware wallet and you need, you, you've got to think about backups for that. So I think you've got to look at the metal seed. So CypherSafe are offering the CypherWheel product and that comes in a wheel shape. It's uh, you know be, uh, been tested in terms of fireproof and waterproof and so on. So make sure you check that out. And essentially, it's got little slots that you slide in the tiles, and you do four letters uh, for each of your BIP39 word seed. So if you've got a Trezor or a Ledger, make sure your family can access those Bitcoins. If an accident happens to you or if your house goes up in fire, you need a way to look after that. And so the website for that is cyphersafe.io. Okay, so that's uh, the sponsors for the show. It's time to bring in the guests, uh, Parker and Buck. Welcome to the show, guys. Um, I think uh, just in terms of for the listeners who aren't familiar, well, I think m most of my listeners are all familiar with Parker. He's 
Uh, he's in business development at Unchained Capital. He's a past guest of the show. And Buck is uh, newly working at Unchained Capital. Uh, so welcome to the show, guys. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Uh, excited to to talk about our latest release, Caravan. Buck's uh, a new member of the team, but he hopped right in there and he was you know, the lead developer on bringing us a lot of the upgrades that are in the latest edition of Caravan. So looking forward to that and talking about other things that we're working on at Unchained. Awesome. Yeah. So look, I think for the listeners, I think my listeners are probably all very familiar with you, Parker, from your past episode here and also with Tales from the Crypt. Uh, but Buck, do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? I know you've been around for a while. Uh, yeah, sure. So just try and keep my, my Bitcoin history, uh, the, the, the short version, but I, um, I got into the crypto. I started learning about Bitcoin back when I was living in China back in 2014, 2015. I was actually using it for remittances when I was uh, working freelance. And so trying to, you know, uh, move money back and forth between the US and China and kind of just started diving deeper and deeper from from there. My background is originally in economics, but I've been doing um, software engineering and web development for, uh, I don't know, it's been a while now, so maybe a decade. And um, yeah, for after moving back to the States, I've been working in a few different Bitcoin companies. So I, I and uh, primarily in open source. So it's I've been really fortunate to be able to to work in building open source projects and for for the community. I've done some stuff in. I was working for a couple of years on the the Bitcoin team, which is a JavaScript implementation of Bitcoin. Uh, recently, also was working on some some Lightning tools specifically around LSATs, uh, which were um, some, something that's been recently released uh, by uh, Lightning Labs. And yeah, now working on on right now Caravan, but also a bunch of the other stuff that that Unchained has going on too. Fantastic. So, um, look, let's get into a little bit around the context of this. So, uh, obviously we're all bullish on Bitcoin, right? We think the value is going up. We have to start thinking more seriously about our security. So uh, maybe uh, you want to just lead us in a little bit and tell us, you know, why why should we be considering multi-signature? Sure, yeah. So uh, multi-signature is, it, it's a great way to both keep your Bitcoin secure while also maintaining control over it. And so the, the kind of the, the quick way to explain how it works, it's in the name multi-signature, and it basically means you need multiple signatures in order to to spend some Bitcoin. And that that has a lot of benefits if you think about it kind of like a, a safety deposit box uh, where you need multiple keys in order to open it. It's the same type of thing, except you can even do some really cool things with multi-sig where you have uh, set up, which is what we use at Unchained Capital, two of three keys. So you can have a total set of three keys uh, but only two of those keys are needed to, to spend the Bitcoin. So this can be really great uh, for such as in, in uh, Unchained Capital, our, our, uh, our setup where you can have total control of your Bitcoin if you own two of those keys and you know the Unchained can have a backup. And what we're introducing with Caravan is that you can create this setup very easily yourself with a with a browser. And so if the key is the best way to do this is if the keys are stored in something like a hardware device and in order to spend the Bitcoin. So the, the main advantage of this is, let's say your security is compromised somewhere and you're storing your your seed somewhere on safe. It's on plain text or whatever. You shouldn't be doing that regardless. But if that happens you still need one other key to spend from a two of three multi-signature wallet. And so that, that just kind of, it, it spreads out your risk a lot more and makes your funds a lot, a lot more secure. Yeah. And, and just one thing that I would add to 
is that, you know, I think most of us experience this individually as Bitcoiners. And then when we think about as a company, as we're talking to people that are adopting Bitcoin for the first time, the idea of facilitating self-custody makes sense. Uh, it, it eliminates counterparty risk. You're not relying on any institution um, and, and potentially bearing the risk of the liability, whether the, the institution is hacked or uh, becomes insolvent. And, and, and th th those ideas resonate, but then there is permanence to, to private key management. And I think you know, one of the realities of self-custody, at least in a single key setting, is that even if you are backed up and you have, say, a hardware device and a backup, uh, they both back up each other, but then they both also represent single points of failure, such that if anybody gets um, any you know, single device or a backup to that device, uh, they're, they're very close to being able to walk away with all funds. And as we think about uh, not only you know, existing Bitcoiners preserving their own wealth as, as the value of Bitcoin increases, but as you know, additional people come into Bitcoin and they're thinking about storing a significant amount of wealth, but as that wealth and the value of Bitcoin rises, the idea of, of being able to have that wealth be lost by a single mishap becomes uh, untenable. And that's really where the idea of multi-sig, and especially commercialized for both the individuals and businesses to be able to hold their own private keys, is really critical. That, that the, the default doesn't need to be to go back to a custodian as value increases because uh, there, there's more at risk. It can be, we can solve this problem through diversifying that risk through multiple keys, having backups, having redundancy. And in our case, again, you know, people don't have to work with third parties. And that's why we've made, you know, there's a number of reasons why we've invested so significantly in Caravan. But but if someone is working with with Unchained, then we're also a backup and we're creating diversity, not just in keys, but in, in who holds those keys. Yeah, that's a great uh, point as well, because you might want to just have another entity, right? So you might yourself have like all this good backup and all that stuff, but ultimately having just another entity is holding that other key. So in this case, if you've got two of three and Unchained has that other key, well, then that's another entity who's help, helping you kind of manage your keys. Um, and it might be also good to just talk a little bit, uh, maybe just historically, what have people had to do uh, they they might have had to do something like Glacier Protocol. Or they might have maybe they would have tried with Electrum to try and do you know multi signature. Um, what were some of the tool sets that people were trying in the past, uh, and you know why is Caravan now? It's a step forward in that in that regard. Can you guys uh, touch on that? Yeah, sure. I mean, and it's funny too. Like it, for anybody that's been in been in the Bitcoin space for. Uh, for a while now, there's you know famous stories of people having you know thousands of bitcoins stolen off of them. Uh, at like there's one story someone lost like seven thousand bitcoin just at some conference, and you you can really see how important it is to have uh, multi-sig and an easy multi-sig as well, so that okay I get some keys stolen off of me, but that doesn't put everything at risk. Um, and one of the one of the things that's unique uh, about multi-sig actually in bitcoin compared to that we hear in some of these other blockchain protocols is multi-sig is native to the, the protocol as well. And so you hear some of these hacks that happen in other uh, multi-sig setups. That's 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 not a risk when you're when you're doing multi-sig in Bitcoin. And so then the next challenge is is like how to do this in a user friendly way. There are some challenges with um, just the complexity of how to set up, how to coordinate the keys that are involved in the devices 
And there has been, you know, multi-sig has been around for years and we're still as uh, an industry trying to figure out the easiest way to do it. And so Caravan is, is, is kind of our answer to that. And one of the things that we're really trying to focus on with Caravan is to do one thing really well. And that's essentially coordinating the, the keys with, um, for your multi-sig address or, or wallet. And so how that contrasts to, to kind of some, so Glacier protocol is kind of like how to go through all these protocols, to, these steps to, to make sure that your private keys are really safe uh, and that you're not compromised at any step of the way. That's kind of like the extreme end of the security conscious spectrum. Uh, you, you don't have to go to such extreme lengths when with, with multi-sig, especially because you're di diversifying your risk. Um, Electrum has been the primary answer uh, for, for, for many years now. And, and with good reason, I mean, it's a very robust, it's a, it's a battle tested platform. It's got, you know, has a lot of, of experienced developers behind it, but from, from our point of view, and especially just as a company about why we needed our own type of solution, there's a, there's a couple answers to that, but what I think Caravan brings to the table is just a bit of a sim simplicity. So whereas Electrum has this, uh, you know, the functionality of being a node and being a server and part of this this peer to peer network and it has normal uh, uh, normal key management, single sig and it has multi sig and um, there, there's just a lot of extra complexity. It also has state and that's something that Caravan so it like you know has a whole history of all of your transactions that's that's located in the the database of the wallet. And so with Caravan, this is a stateless wallet. So essentially you, you um, import your keys from, from the, the, the hardware wallets and you can basically boot up uh, the, your, your wallet and the, the address history, you can generate new addresses, but it's not really stored anywhere. So you query the blockchain, whether it's to uh, an external uh, blockchain API or to your own private node as well, which, which is supported too. And so that just, that, that helps Caravan kind of be focused in its mission in terms of what it's doing. So we coordinate the keys, you have your, your multi-sig wallet, we load up the addresses, and then you can receive funds to those addresses, and then you can very easily spend from, from it as well. Uh, and we have a couple different ways to, to, to manage that, which we can get into later. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And maybe Parker, the, you could just, oh, go on, Parker. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, I like to simplify it down to say that it's it's got to be so easy that a business development guy can do it, um, and uh, you know, or 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 me or my dad or you know any one of our parents that um, not you know not only is it lighter weight, and I think that Buck did say it really well that it's designed to do one thing very well, and it's designed to make it easy to do in a browser. Um, and you know, from from my own experience, and again, you know, I run my own full node. And, you know, I've been involved in Bitcoin for, for quite a while now, but still kind of, you know, seeing, you know, we had, you know, at our big Austin Bitcoin developer meetup, we had Michael Flaxman doing a demo of Electrum and just seeing the challenges that someone as technically sophisticated as Michael struggling through a, an Electrum demo. And again, Electrum is a very powerful tool and, and Caravan isn't a replacement for uh, Electrum for all things, but for many people, it becomes an easier application to use. And there's many ways that people can use it. And, you know, when we think about it, you know, a few of the, and we'll talk about a number through the conversation about why Caravan is so strategic to us. But, but one of those reasons is that it not only is an asset for Unchained Capital and its clients as a, re, as a recovery tool, it's, it's now a more comprehensive tool in that regard, but for, for clients that rely on Unchained our vaults and find value, and having Unchained be a key holder. We also 
design tools and, and that core principal tool being Caravan to ensure that that Unchained is as trust minimized an organization as possible. And one of those key elements is that if Unchained site goes down or if you know you, you are locked out of your Unchained account or for whatever reason Unchained is unavailable, that you have a, a tool and one that is easy to use with a very low bar for someone to be able to access their Bitcoin. But then in addition to that, we recognize that you know, expanding multi-sig and creating solutions that are easy for the common person to use and in which they feel comfortable with, that they will be more likely to hold their private keys with these type of applications. And that many people will not want to work with a third party. And the more people using multi-sig and making multi-sig ubiquitous as a form of self-custody is, you know, provides a, a tangible benefit to, to Unchained as an ecosystem, but also to, un, to, to individuals that, that you know, don't value Unchained holding a key or, or for whatever reason, uh, preserve their anonymity and be able to do that in a way that they don't you know, have fear that they'll create some error that results ultimately in loss. That, that, it, that you know, by accessing multi-sig, it has to be in a way that, that you're actually protecting yourself and not present, potentially getting into a situation where you make some error or then can't move your funds when you need to. Yeah, I think that's a great way to summarize it. I would say uh, maybe just, just to summarize for the listeners, you might be somebody who is more concerned about privacy and you want to run it yourself. Well, that's, you know, you can use Caravan. Um, you might be unsure about, okay, I'm only used to single signature. I'm, I'm not quite comfortable with multi-signature yet. Well, this is one way you can test it out and try uh, just with a little setup before you then move in, into Unchained Vault. Um, it, it can be a recovery tool, as you mentioned. Uh, and also, I think there's those broader points around the ecosystem, right? You're making self-custody easier. And that way, you could arguably say this is strengthening the ecosystem of Bitcoin and also... Uh, and we can probably get to some of this later, is around helping build towards having multi-sig standards and just kind of commonly accepted ways and practices of doing things, just like how now, let's say, it's quite a common thing that people use BIP39 seeds, right? And that's just a known thing in the industry. And so maybe that's a similar kind of thing uh, that can be built out towards. Um, so uh, let's talk, uh, let's bring it to Caravan then. So Caravan... Uh, up until very recently was a single address solution and now it's got an actual wallet to it. So perhaps Buck, you can tell us a little bit about the changes coming to Caravan. Yeah, so uh, a big idea with this was to just expand Caravan support for um, XPubs essentially. And, and XPubs allow you to coordinate um, a rather than just a single multi-sig address, it allows you to coordinate between multiple uh, keys or key holders, um, a, a wallet. And what so XPubs basically give you a, a path or recipe to generate a, a, basically an infinite amount of, of addresses. And so that's, that's what a wallet is at, at its core in, in any situation, whether it's multi-sig or otherwise, it's a deterministic set of addresses that have balances associated with them. And so that's what we're that's what we're introducing in this in this release. Uh, that's a, the main thing that we're introducing in this release of Caravan. And and so the way that the process that this works now is we we still maintain the uh, support for the previous functionality that that we had before, which uh, uh, people might be familiar with uh, through the, the the Twitter bet that was made. 
and coordinated um, using Caravan that was with a single address. And now you can essentially do the same thing with a whole wallet. So rather than just having a single bet uh, on a single address, you could uh, coordinate many bets or you know you could coordinate a wallet maybe with family or family members. And so the pattern still is the same as we had for the single address. But now when you're coordinating a uh, the wallet, so you still pick, okay, what's the what's the quorum look like? So you could do the default, the two of three, as, as I was explaining earlier, and you can go up to a total of, of seven, seven signers, and then you pick your type of address. You also pick which network, mainnet or testnet. So if you're not totally comfortable putting real funds on yet, you can also move on to testnet and, and get some, some Bitcoin from a testnet faucet and then just kind of see how it works and play around. And so once you've picked all of that, you can generate the wallet. You'll import the XPubs. Usually this will be done from a hardware wallet. Right now we support Trezor and Ledger. Uh, you can also import them as, as plain text, but we have, um, oh, and Hermit, of course, as well, which is our own uh, uh, wallet solution. It's all, all programmatic uh, command line wallet. And uh, we have cold card in the on the roadmap as, as another option soon as, as we build closer towards so this X probably extended public that you see in the, the demo there is kind of a, the step towards getting full um, PSBT support too. So once you've set up your, your wallet by importing the keys from your hardware, your hardware wallets or the hardware device, then the Caravan, which again, it's all you know, a static website. It's running in the browser. It'll call out to a node. You can now. This is something that we've expanded. Uh, we had we had the ability to call out to your own private Bitcoin D node before. Uh, we have we have that still, and what we've expanded it by allowing the ability to actually import addresses. So this is important. Uh, so that if you're querying your own node, you don't have to uh, go through the command line or go through the Bitcoin um, uh, GUI. You can actually import the addresses that are in the wallet so that the, the node becomes aware of those addresses and can determine your balances and, and the total balance of your wallet. And, and yeah, and then, you know, you're basically, once you've imported those those XPubs, you're off to the races. You've got a wallet, you can see your balances, you can generate new new addresses, you can see spent addresses, you can send send funds from it as well. And when you're sending, the, the trick is, and you know, this is one of the tricky things with, with multi-sig is you have to coordinate the, the signers. So anybody that's familiar with, with using a hardware wallet for single sig, you know, you have to make sure your device is, is plugged in and and the private key is safe on the device, but just still going through that process. And now you have to do that for each each um, key in the, in the quorum that is signing away, uh, signing for the funds. And yeah, that's that's all possible now through through the wallet, which is kind of nice. Yeah, one of the one of the big um, the big pieces there is so if you if you had used Caravan previously, thinking about um, you know generating a single address. And you know, then needing to, you know, in, in a single address role, we'd essentially export pub keys, generate a redeem script, and then you could deposit Bitcoin to those addresses and save your BIP32 paths, essentially the key paths to communicate to the devices where to find the keys to sign transactions. But you would also need to, to store that redeem script. And what this also allows in terms of just the, the functionality improvement is by moving to a world of XPubs, uh, it gives you the flexibility to basically, you know, store and save those XPubs. And then, you know, at any time in the future, you can recreate your wallet and um, you don't have to spend, you know, recurringly to the same address or, you know, conversely, if you didn't want to do that, you don't have to create uh, a new address and then separately store a new redeem script to be able to spend in the future. And 
you know, one of the, one of the benefits of, of this model is this really, you could have three devices, you know, if you choose to have backups, have backups. And really, as long as you're saving those XBUBs, you'll be able to, or, or you know the, the BIP32 badge, you'll be able to recreate, you know, and, and spend from any addresses associated with that wallet. You'll be able to preserve better privacy and be able to, to send, you know, not uh, reuse addresses and then be more efficient when you are spending so that you can actually manage UTXOs and manage addresses uh, such that you're, you're only spending, you know, the UTXOs or, you know, one of the, one of the pieces of feedback that we don't yet have, but we're, you know, co contemplating adding or, or will plan to add is being able to let label UTXO. So this really, you know, in terms of if you were wanting to operate in an independent way, a multi-signature wallet, uh, today now Caravan is, is really truly functional to be able to do that and not overly burdensome and, and that ability to have multiple addresses to preserve privacy, not to, to reuse addresses and then more efficiently spend by being able to, to manually um, manage UTXOs. That's, that's really a, a big improvement. And there are some others, um, I think in this, and maybe Buck, you can, you can speak to this. I think with the, with the Trezor, uh, we can now confirm on device. Um, which is, you know, something also that when we think about multi-sig and we think about multi-sig relative to single-sig, we are still advancing down the path. You know, in many ways, multi-sig is is more secure than relying on single-sig. One of the challenges within multi-sig is verifying addresses on device and then also allowing those devices to verify change. So one of those first pieces that we've implemented in this uh, in this implementation of Caravan is being able to, at least on the Trezor, be able to, to verify addresses on device and then the next steps through would be able to then coordinate very various different devices and keys to be able to to verify or at least have the, the, the devices be able to verify change great um and i think it would also be good to just compare and contrast let's say a caravan multi-signature with say electrum um would you be able to just Highlight some of those differences there for the listeners if they've if they've used an Electrum multi-signature. How would it differ when they're doing with Caravan from like a standards and like the pathways and so on? Could you could you um, outline a little bit on that, perhaps, Buck? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the the, the big difference um, again is just what we were saying earlier in terms of Caravan only focusing on on one thing, which is the, the coordination of, of the keys essentially for, for the wallet. And what that means is just a, a much simpler uh, user interface for, for people to understand what's going on. So there's a lot more setup, I think, that goes on with, uh, with an Electrum setup when you're coordinating the keys. And there's a lot more in the view. But when you go into Caravan, there's one, there's one job it has, and that's to get your Xbox and it's to create a wallet from it. So if you think about like one of the, one of the key you know, one of the reasons you might be using multi-sig is actually to coordinate with other people. And, uh, you know, as Parker was, was talking about, it's like you're coordinating with, with a family member, for example, is less comfortable to ask them to spin up a whole Electrum uh, setup is just, it, it, it doesn't make total sense uh, for them to be able to hook it up. But whereas with Caravan, you can actually just send them to a, a website. You can, you can even send them a file that will open up in their own browser that's not even uh, live uh, on the web. And you know it'll step, it'll walk them through the steps and how to. So the steps essentially, as I was describing before, you know you get the XPubs. You there's even a config file that we have for the wallet, which is basically just the XPubs and the uh, the paths. So uh, one of the uh, one of the difficulties there's some standards around uh, how to generate essentially how to generate addresses based off of certain. Uh, uh, um, uh, hierarchical 
the HD PaaS for the, for the wallet. And we actually leave a lot of flexibility for that. So that means that whereas Electrum does have, they're pretty strict to some, to, to their own standard, which is not uh, accepted in, in all um, implementations, I should say, we leave it quite open. So if you know the path of the wallet that, uh, that for the, where the XPubs are generated, then you, you can generate it. So that'll, that allows us to kind of leave, be flexible to support whatever the different standards are, although we will default to the, the, the industry standard for how to generate it based off of your network, if it's a SegWit enabled or, or not, for example, as well. And so, yeah, I think really the differentiator is just that, that simplicity and, and really being able to, to walk you through those steps. Cool. And uh, can you just tell us a little bit about the address types as well? So you've got that option there when you're setting when you're setting up your multisig, you can mm -hmm. either go with P2SH, which is pay to script hash. You've got the middle one, P2SH, um, P2WSH, and then the bottom one, which is pay to witness script hash, P2WSH. Right. And yeah, as, as you were saying, like e each one of these uh, has a certain standard about the path that is used to generate the XPUB that you'll you'll end up uh, using. And so uh, trying to explain this without getting too technical, I guess. But so these are different uh, script types, essentially, in Bitcoin. You have uh, pay to script hash, hash, which is a way to compress the data that uh, incorporates a... Um, uh, multi-sig address. So a multi-sig script is essentially has the rule set to say in order to spend this output, you need to have two of three keys that match up with these set of keys. That's a lot of data um, to to have in an address. And so pay to script hash is a way to compress that for when you're sending to that address. And it just, it, it just makes it a little bit more compact. It makes it a little bit more private as well. Uh, so that all three standards, uh, the ones that you listed out have that but what they, uh, the way that they differ is moving towards these SegWit rules. And SegWit was a enhancement that was introduced to, to Bitcoin uh, a couple of years ago now to uh, essentially like, it, it, it effectively was a uh, block size increase, but it also came with a lot of other uh, benefits. And so these just have different signing rules associated with them and how a transaction is meant to be parsed and signed. And the reason why that's important when you're dealing with the generating of the multi-sig addresses is because you can you can uh, sh share information about what type of address and what type of script it is and where a wallet that is receiving or tr sorry trying to, to spend funds to or from an, an address like this it, it tells the wallet how to how to deal with it and so p2sh in uh, both versions of the p2sh that you were describing p2sh and p2sh p2wsh are kind of the legacy version. P2WSH is the SegWit version, and the it will generate addresses of the uh, type fetch32, which the address itself is a little bit longer, but it means all the uh, signatures and input data is going to go into the witnesses are, are are going into a separate data structure that will be cheaper to send actually. And and you know in this time as we're seeing fees going up a little bit more as the mempool increases it's becoming increasingly important that we do try and use uh, SegWit native uh, from the beginning as much as possible, because that's going to help you save on fees. It saves on block space, which is going to help reduce the, the load on the mempool too. And so, that, you know, I think that's also another advantage of having a tool like Caravan that, that kind of puts that choice front and center when you're creating your wallet. And so hopefully it'll help encourage people to be, be defaulting to that more and more because it's, it's, 
it's a common good, the, the mempool. It's something that we all have to share, and and we all pay the, co the consequences of, of people that are not using those more efficient data structures. Yeah. So I guess just for listeners who uh, maybe you're not familiar with that, I would say if you're if you're concerned about maximum uh, availability of being able to, you know, spend and receive, just take P2SH. But if you want to be more um, efficient and you want to be able to take advantage of having the lowest fees, then you want to look for the P2WSH. Um, yeah. But I guess not every exchange supports sending out to uh, the native SegWit BC1 addresses, but pretty much by now most of them are supporting it because, I mean, SegWit was <laughs> like three years ago now, so... They, they should be uh, 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 getting yeah, to that, that. That's kind of an important disclaimer too, because you might you might generate a wallet that's P2WSH because you listen to all the stuff I just said, like, oh, I want to save on fees. And you, you generate a wallet that's P2WSH and then you want to withdraw from an exchange that maybe doesn't support uh, that 32 yet. And they'll say, hey, we don't recognize that address. That's a wrong address. Uh, so it's just important to just like stay calm and know that actually that's not what's going on. It's it's just that they it's it's not that your wallet is broken or it's a lost wallet or whatever. It's just that the wallet the wallet that is sending needs to recognize the format of that address. And so if they don't recognize the format, you you could and you could do this all with Caravan. You could create a kind of intermediary. There are some wallets that'll do this for you that understand both. Uh, but if you want to set up a wallet that is your kind of in between step. You would do a, a P, P2SH, P2WSH. That's basically hiding the new version inside of the the old version, so that it's in a format that older wallets will recognize. And so that's kind of how you can deal with compatibility issues. Yep, yep. Um, and let's talk a little bit about uh, multi-signature support amongst hardware wallets. So uh, I think uh, one interesting point that I've noted also, and just from discussions with you also, is that having this tool set allows people to test their wallet against uh, these different um, uh, standards, if you will. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and um, what, what your hope is for the space around multi-sig and potentially what they might do if more people start using Caravan? Sure, yeah. So I think there's two pieces to, to, uh, to that about what, what Caravan brings to the table uh, in, in that regard. And the first is just you know, having another offering out there, having something that's user friendly, having something that we, you know, we hope users will really enjoy. And that will encourage more use, more eyeballs essentially towards uh, hardware wallets. And, you know, that just kind of gets the market involved. So, you know, if, uh, if somebody did want their wallet supporters like, hey, well, you know, you're not supporting this or that standard yet, or it doesn't meet our, our security uh, um, uh, guidelines, then, you know, you can add pressure to the hardware uh, manufacturers too. So just kind of having something out in the ecosystem, helping bring awareness to multi-sig and multi-sig best practices, I think is a, is a good step. So the more people are using it, the more that you'll get market pressure. And I think that's a really good thing. Uh, the second piece is something that we built up in the process of of our own work at, at Unchained, which is this uh, testing suite that's included in Caravan. And it's not something that features super prominently in, in the user interface, but if you're on the landing page, there's a, a panel on, on the, the right side and you can see this little button that says run run tests. And if you go to the run test, it's, it's a testing suite for uh, the different, yeah, here we go, for the diff different hardware wallets. And this is a really cool thing. And, and it actually, it highlights uh, how 
important multisig itself is too. Because if you notice at the at the bottom of this page, we have a list of, of seed words. This is this is a list that you can generate a Bitcoin wallet from. And uh, but importantly for the test, this is all testing in multisig. And so this is uh, one of two keys involved in in the in the wallet setup. So in our tests, what, what multisig allows, and this really highlights how important multisig is to security. What this allows is that we can have real wallets with real funds, both in testnet and mainnet, that are still totally secure, even though we've publicized the seed uh, for, for the wallet. Now, if you can imagine doing that with a single SIG, I mean, it's, 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 there's no possible way to do that. And I think an even cooler way to think about it is if you could think of, of that in a normal banking context, right? Like imagine a bank putting up uh, an API key to access their live real US dollar funds in order to test how their API works. It's impossible, you cannot do it. But with this, we have this, pub, this public seed, and because we have a second seed that is that is hidden, you can play with a real wallet, see real funds on it, and um, see the addresses, or there are some associated in, in these tests, but you won't be able to spend with it because it's a two of two. And so that's that's just kind of like one cool aspect of this. And this allows you, what you would do is you would take this, this seed list, you would load it up onto a Trezor, a Ledger, or, or, a, um, a, or a Hermit as well, and once you've loaded up on the device, you can run through these tests. And all these tests are, these are kind of like the main pieces of functionality that you want to ensure that your hardware wallet can support. And so you can run it with different firmwares. You can run it with a different, you know, the Model T or the Trezor One for the different uh, hardware and, and from a single company, or it, you have the same, same thing with, with, with Ledger Two and run, okay, well, can I export a public key? Can I export uh, an XPUB? Can I sign a real transaction? And again, this is only one of the two signatures. So you won't be able to send anything, but we can confirm that the signature came out correctly because uh, our, the test fixtures know what the signature should look like based off of the data, based off of the, the key list, the, the, the seed phrase, and we can test against that. And you'll get a thumbs up, thumbs down, if that worked. This has been really useful in our own development. There were a couple bugs that we were able to, to find. One was just trying to, the ledger and the treasure, so the different hardware manufacturers have different ways of interacting, or um, just have different APIs, which is fine, it's to be expected. And Ledger was a little bit trickier for um, exporting their XPUBs. And so as we were developing the wallet, we needed to export the XPUB from the Ledger. And using this tool, I was able to uh, you know, iterate fairly easily to make sure that I was getting the information correctly and that I was doing it properly. Like there's, there's, it's, not, it's not an easy thing to do. N normally with software, when you're running tests, you have it's just, it's all running on the computer, right? You have some some file of data and it's like, I'm doing this function, I'm expecting this to happen. It's a little bit harder to do with hardware devices because each time you're running through a test, you actually have to press the buttons, you have to click confirm, you have to check your addresses. It's a little bit harder to automate, but having this test suite, while it's not fully automated, it gives you a standardized way to walk through these steps and very uh, easy to read visual cues about whether or not it's working in a, in a secure way as well. So that was one thing we were using it for. Another thing we were able to, to find a bug in, um, find and debug a, a bug that was in Trezor Connect 8 uh, that we were unable to send to a P2WSH, so the new batch 32 addresses uh, for multi-sig. And we have this in our test suite. If you scroll down on the, the left, you'll see there's a test for signing to, all the way to the bottom, there's a signing to P2WSH. And using this test, we're able to say, okay, this is actually a problem. Should be at the very bottom. 
Yeah. yeah so, so just for listeners, um, because most yeah, of the listeners are on the audio stream, yeah. I'll just call out what we're looking at here. So this is on Unchained Capital. If you go to the caravan and then you go on the right, there's a test suite. And then if you scroll down, there's a bunch of different um, tests here. So one of them is like export the public key uh, for different uh, derivation paths. And so what Buck is referring to here is uh, the there's a particular test relating to signing uh, a transaction for pay to WSH, pay to witness script hash in a two of two multi-sig address. Yeah. And so we were finding is that the treasurer was working to sign to a P2SH. So we had the right keys. Everything was working fine. P2SH, P2WSH, it worked fine. Uh, but trying to send it to the uh, P2WSH was not working. And uh, so this turned out to just be a small bug. We were able to publish a fix and, and the Trezor development team, to their credit, they, they merged it in very quickly and we were able to get a fix and it was deployed to, to Trezor Connect and that was great. And so this just kind of highlights the importance of, of having something like this is like, there's a set of expected behavior that the, the hardware devices should uh, be able to, to, to meet. And going through a test suite, you can identify, this is also helpful if you're running into some issues with your own um, devices somewhere else, maybe in another application to say, okay, is this a problem with the application? Is this a problem with my hardware device? What's going on here? You can run them against these tests. And uh, for me also, just like, this was kind of useful for me. I've, I've, I've been at Unchainly for a few months and just kind of onboarding and kind of like going through the workflows about how multi-sig really works, how the development workflow for multi-sig works and how to use it with the different devices without any funds really at stake. And because there's this uh, predictable environment set up, you can really go through the steps and see what's expected and what didn't come out and, and move forward from there. Yeah, one one thing to, to add on there, because, you know, as Buck was talking about, you know, when, when Trezor Connect 8 was, was pushed and the you know, PWSH um, signing flow or the ability to sign uh, had a bug. You know, when you think about how that impacts our business, if we have a, a number of uh, customers using multi-sig within our private application, and then you know, there's a, a push you know, from one of the hardware providers and, and then our, our customers or our clients can't sign multi-sig transactions out of our platform that creates disruption and and it puts us into uh, a mode where we quickly have to not only identify what the issue is but then react and, and as buck mentioned uh, we were able to identify what the issue was and and trezor did quickly then uh, patch the patch the bug and, and and we move forward our goal for this and again you know we're, we're starting small and we don't have you know outsized expectations but our hope is through this tool um, and as multi-sig applications are being used, whether it's people using Caravan independently, people using Unchained and using our Vault product, or other people using multi-sig and in a way that's compatible with Caravan, that increasingly the hardware providers, as they're working on updates, this will be a tool for them to be able to come and check uh, very easily to, to make sure that in, in a multi-sig setting that, that nothing is broken. And so when we think about just, you know, and, and realistically, since we uh, launched vaults within Unchained just over a year ago. Our single single largest investment has been this open source project that has, is Caravan. And, and earlier I talked about you know the strategic rationale being providing a recovery path, you know providing an easy to use tool for people that, that don't do not want to work with a third party to be able to access multisig. But in addition to that, you know there, there's the element that Buck was mentioning in terms of helping to drive standards. Uh, but then also just as it relates to you know, interoperability or kind of with this specific issue for 
hardware providers to be able to interact with Unchained or to be able to, to be complements to, to companies because we do view ourselves as partners to, to the hardware providers, whether it's Trezor, Ledger, Cold Card, you know, others to come. And this tool allows them you know, not only to, to, to work with us, but then as we're working to support additional hardware devices, if there are issues that, that we're having in the implementation, we have an open source uh, tool and something that they can come in and look at and help us troubleshoot and get to the answer faster. And so, so in that way, and in many respects, it's also valuable to us because it accelerates our development cycle because we do, and one of the things that we're working on now is to be using the same libraries that support Caravan within our private application. And if we can have this tool that is open source that allows us to better collaborate um, and complement the hardware providers, that the experience for everyone that's using multi-sig should improve. That's great. And um, I'd also like to know a little bit more around how you're making it work from a hardware connection to your computer perspective, right? So people are probably aware of HWI, Hardware Wallet Interface by Andrew Chow. Uh, I'm wondering whether, you know, there's any interaction there uh, with uh, Caravan and uh, whether that sort of takes a bit of work to kind of keep the keep it working because, you know, maybe something changes uh, in a hardware wallet somewhere or maybe there's an update and, you know, that might break the way it connects in. H how are you thinking about that kind of issue? Sure. So the, the way I think of, of the HWI project, it's, it's kind of like almost a, a reference implementation of how you're going to create an interface for how uh, the hardware wallets can, uh, can or should communicate with your with the software the application of the users and so uh we're not using hwi at all in, in our stack it's, it's not necessary but uh, just like everything else we've been talking about here you know having these types of open source projects to help drive standards to help drive best practices is, is super important hwi and uh, a lot of the work that andrew chow is doing um since he, he has a lot of focus around wallets and hardware wallets is, is super important around that psbt is, is like the, the real major example of that so hwi itself is not something in particular that it, it, that we have to, to work with and um, but uh, we have kind of our own uh, Parker alluded to this we have two other libraries that are used under the hood and in, in caravan that really only developers or people that are, you know are curious about about the underlying code would even be aware of and that's unchained wallets and unchained Bitcoin and this is the same they have the same type of motivation as the HWI library which is to um, uh, kind of help drive standards. It's also something as well that uh, it's open source, so it can be audited and used by, by the entire community. And it's also so, uh, but that we want to use within our own internal applications too. And so this is what, what I really love, uh, love before I joined the team even about what Unchained is doing is kind of like marrying this idea of how uh, open source and, and closed source can, can really benefit from each other, and so uh, you know that's that's kind of what HWI is doing, and 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 is available out there to to kind of drive some of that. And with the Unchained Bitcoin, Unchained Wallets uh, libraries, they're doing the same type of thing. So uh, Unchained Wallets uh, should just give some background. Is the library to do basically the same type of thing? It's interactions between uh, different hardware. Uh, wallets and uh, an, an application so it's it creates a unified kind of interface so that the the for example caravan is an application that's using this doesn't have to know what the specific hardware is that you're communicating with but because it has this common language it um, for how to interface with them 
it, it can do that. And Unchained Bitcoin is a set of basically just Bitcoin tools underneath for dealing with keys, for dealing with addresses that, again, and it includes the, the test fixtures too, too. So if somebody wanted to implement their own version of the test suite that we we're looking at, that can all be done with just Unchained Bitcoin and, and Unchained wallets too. So you have the test seeds, you have the, 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 the fixtures, which are essentially the transactions that you would be test signing and the XPUBs that you would be expecting. And that way people can, can even test if, if Caravan is doing it, it right as well. And so having all this open is a really important part of this whole kind of vision where you know they, it's, it's open for people to look at, it's open pe for people to poke at, it's open for people to use. And the more people that are using and poking and looking at it, the, the better off the whole community is because it makes us stronger, it makes us more resilient, uh, it makes us just more aware of, of how things work and, how, how, and what's going on. And how about uh, PSBT and the direction towards having cold card support? Yeah, so the XPUB uh, support and kind of just coming up with the mental models around how, how that works in terms of wallets and user interfaces was a big part of that. And uh, uh, the, kind of the first step because PSBT is, creates this kind of uni unified uh, and more complex interface for, for managing wallets that are, that are based around that. So XPUB was step one and step two is, is gonna be moving towards PSBT. And, and for those who are not familiar, it's a partially signed Bitcoin transactions. And it's, it's basically, it's really just a, a standardized format for how to pass around the information that's involved in, the, um, in an actual transaction that you're trying to, to sign between many different parties. So in the case of multi-sig, um, a, a multi-sig transaction because it has to be partially signed because you're waiting for the other signatures that are involved in the quorum. So um, we have, we're, we're a good portion of the way there. Uh, we're, we're gonna be building support first into Unchained Wallets itself. So before there's even a UI, we're building it into this library that other people can use and interact with that we can use in Unchained's own vault system. And then also there would be support for it within uh, uh, caravan directly. And so those, those are kind of the steps, build it in Unchained wallets and other, other people can use it. It'll be supported in, in Unchained as well. And then in caravan, you can use a uh, cold card via PSBT uh, for that too. Awesome. Uh, and how should listeners be thinking about backups, right? So let's say they have created uh, the wallet. Uh, what do they need to be thinking about backing up? I mean, presumably that JSON file with the, you know, the XPUBs and the derivation paths. And then also they must be thinking about the backups on the seed for their uh, hardware wallets. And potentially if they've got, you know, a pin on that or a passphrase on that, they need to, uh, what are the things they need to think about there? Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting question because, you know, you were talking about Glacier before, which, which, is uh, the Glacier Protocol, which is thinking about this is like every step of the way has as hardened security as possible. And that's important. It's just important as like a mental model about how to think about things. But uh, to what you're describing, it, it's interesting. So we have this JSON file that, you know, whether you're just working specifically with an address or you're working with your wallet, both have uh, um, files that can be downloaded as backups. Now, that that as a backup is very different from the the seed phrase, for example, that you you know write down after you've generated a wallet in a in a hardware wallet. And the reason it's different is that even if somebody were to get this file, there's 
they, they can't spend any funds. They know what your wallet looks like, so they can actually see balances. You lose some privacy, but you don't actually lose any security. And so that's important when you're trying to think about, um, you know, how to deal with your security and where, where, where things are. So, you know, backing up uh, securely is always important because you, you don't want to risk either security or, or your privacy. But in terms of, of how this is done, you know, it's, it's important. So one kind of one thing I think that some people overlook when planning out their security is that complexity itself is a vulnerability, right? The, the real fear when you're setting these systems up is not that somebody else is going to get your money, it's that you're going to lose your money. If you lose your keys or you lose access to your wallet, it's no difference, right? And so you don't want to be overly complex. And so that's also important when you're, you know, part of security is, well, how many keys do you want to have? If you have uh, a multi-sig that you need six of seven signatures, that means if just two people in that quorum lose their keys, you can't sign anything. That also means that if if two of those if one of those people loses their keys and the other person wants to hold the rest of their group hostage, they can't. That's an important part of security too. Um, so there's you know there's lots of different ways and, and thoughts about about how to manage security. But yeah, I mean you want each um, each key should be we, we believe should be backed up. You want to have uh, backup to the the, the, the seed phrase, you can split them up into different geographic locations. Again, with just backing up the wallet. If you hide your, if, if you're doing this as kind of a cold storage solution where you don't need to be spending very much, but you're doing it for like dollar cost averaging, you're you know, spending to your addresses, you don't actually need access to your seed phrase or even your hardware wallet. You just need that JSON file that has your XPUBs and you can generate the wallet and check your balances. It's known as a, a watch only wallet. So you can check your balances without having to expose your private keys to, to any sort of security risk. And I think that's that's a really interesting aspect. I mean, the fact that Caravan makes that so easy to do to create a watch only um, wallet with a, a multi-sig and you can keep your 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 seed phrase, your hardware wallet buried in a safe somewhere, another one on the other side of the planet because you don't plan to spend it at any time soon. I think that's that's really key. And that's, that's why multi-sigs really should be a, a part of any kind of serious uh, security plan. Great. Um, and also, we've got uh, coin selection as well. I think we didn't really touch on that. It might be, uh, maybe I'll, I'll just share the screen here and just go back to Will's uh, post. And uh, we've got use of UTXO. So maybe you just want to talk to that a little bit around, uh, you know, wallet management, change management, these kinds of things. Yeah, so this is this is a nice thing that that's now available uh, because we have the wallet. Uh, we're, we're still in a place where you have to spend all the UTXOs associated with a single address. But the fact that you can now pick which addresses you want to spend from, we have these two views. What you're seeing here is uh, in, in the screen, there's a, a view of the, the, spend, the spend view. And there's a little switch in the top right of that that says manual. And you can switch manual on and off. When you're in auto mode, it, it basically operates the same way as, as most other Bitcoin wallets that you might be familiar with. You basically uh, you know, you put in the address that you want to send to, how much you want to send to them, and then we do some coin selection in the background. We pick some funds until uh, it's it's the the transaction is. is some, we pick some inputs until the transaction is funded. In manual mode, though, you kind of mix things up a bit uh, and choose which inputs you want to uh, send. So this is really good for. Um, it's it's a very very minimal amount of privacy, but it's kind of like a, a step above just doing auto select because one of the things that um, uh, uh, you know, some analytics companies will do. Chain analytics companies will do. They they can they can uh, identify spends and where they're going to based off of coin selection. So coin selection is essentially which inputs you're using to fund a transaction, where they're going to or from. 
So you can use something like uh, this this manual mode to, to pick certain inputs and even send to yourself. Like that adds a certain amount. Again, it's not privacy, it's not full anonymity, but it does offer you a certain amount of deniability, which is an interesting concept when thinking about privacy. It also allows uh, for, uh, let's say, you know, your 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 wallet is getting pretty heavy with a lot of kind of small transactions. You know, you're you're adding, you know, a few thousand sats every every day, every week or something, and and you want to consolidate some of those. Now, that's not great for privacy, but uh, having a lot of of UTXOs in your wallet can be very cumbersome. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of just data to keep track of, but it also can be expensive to send to to fund a transaction that's large. You need to gather all of those inputs together, and it, let's say you have an urgent transaction that you want to send right at a time when fees are high, and now you have to collect all of these inputs. You have a huge transaction now, and that's going to be very expensive. So what you can do with something like manual mode is. Um, you know, let's say you've, you've noticed that fees have gone down in a couple of weeks. And you're like, all right, I'm going to consolidate some of my UTXOs. You pick a bunch of your of the kind of smaller UTXOs in that manual view. You send it back to yourself. And it's a bigger transaction, but because fees are lower, you don't have to send as high fees. And, and you can even, you know, set the we have we have the ability to set the fee rate manually as well. And so you can use that to. Uh, um, to, you know, it's not urgent, so I can wait a little bit, but I know the mempool is not full. I'm going to save on fees and, and send this out. And so that's that's those are kind of like the, the real main things that I think are useful about that. Yeah. Um, also, uh, we were speaking earlier just around this idea of connecting up with your own node. Do you want to just touch on uh, what, what, what people have to think about with that? I mean, there's a URL, username, password. H uh, how do you connect with your own node? Uh, sure. So uh, right now we're it's, a, it's supporting the Bitcoin D. So uh, the the kind of like default if you go to the Bitcoin uh, 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 GitHub repo, and this just uses the RPC interface to interact with the Bitcoin node. The default that we have in Caravan right now is the public client, which you can see in in the sidebar. That just talks to blockstream.info. Not great for privacy, but super convenient. You don't have to spend any time setting up any sort of node or anything, uh, but you know, you could run this in a, I haven't tried it yet, but you could run it in a Tor browser and, and, and be making your, uh, your balance request there. Now, but still, uh, it's better if you're doing it against your own node. And it's pretty simple, really. So when you're setting up, when you should have a RPC username and password for when you set up your, your node. If you're running this on localhost, there's a couple other steps, but uh, in the, th there's some instructions actually right there in the UI of Caravan about how to determine and set up the, the, the URI and you need to set up a proxy server that can be done again uh, pretty simply and once you have that you put in the username and password and there's a, a button to test the connection you test the connection to, to make sure you're communicating properly and then you're good to go that's only step one though that allows you to kind of like get information about the blockchain but again I, I was talking about this a little bit earlier um, this is a stateless thing. You, you know, you're creating a wallet right there in your browser on the fly. So even if you've done it before, there's no knowledge anywhere about it, including of your node, unless you've you've gone through explicit steps to to make it aware. And before this update, you actually had to go into your node and you had to tell it what addresses to keep an eye on. Uh, you had to do that one by one. Now, what we have for both the wallet and the address is when an address is generated and you're in the private mode, there's an option to to import the addresses. And this will just use the RPC interface to send these addresses to your Bitcoin node. And this basically just tells a node like, hey, I'm interested in what's going on on these addresses. Uh, so can you keep an eye on them? And if you see an address come in, 
uh, or if you see funds come into this address, I want to, I would like you to uh, store that information locally and it'll do that. Um, you can do this even if you're running on a pruned node as well. So you don't have a, you don't need to have the full blockchain history of all address balances for, you know, going back all the way to 2009. Uh, you, you, will, you will have to rescan if you're importing addresses that have received funds older than this current moment, if that makes sense. So when you send an address to your node, it's, it's basically just saying from now on, keep an eye on this address. But if that address has funds from earlier, uh, your your node probably isn't aware of it, so you just ask it to do a rescan, and that can be done pretty quickly. In about, uh, I think the the full IBD time for for a Bitcoin core now is is about an hour. So within an hour, you'll have all those balances, but you'll just need to do a rescan, and it won't reflect immediately. But that's nice. You you now have this added benefit of privacy uh, against the the normal Bitcoin node, no no special uh, setup uh, server that you, you need to, to really set up aside from the proxy. And, and it could be running anywhere. It doesn't have to be running locally on your own computer either. Great. And how about uh, thinking about periodic key checking and uh, firmware updates on the Trezor and the Ledger and, say, the cold card? Is there anything that uh, listeners should be thinking about there? Yeah, so firmware updates is always something to be aware of. Uh, you know, sometimes there are changes that come up pretty quickly, and they could break uh, compatibility with um, with software or, or certain setups that you might have. So this is another advantage of having that test suite that we were talking about. What you can do is, if you're nervous about that, uh, is um, well, if you have another device, you can upgrade that to the new firmware, load up the test seed phrase, and make sure that signing and, and XPUB management still works properly. And that way it'll still work, you know, at least with Caravan. So that's that's one thing to be aware of. Um, and then, sorry, what was the other question? Yeah, I was just asking about, yeah, firmware <laughs> updates and uh, periodic key checking as well. So just this idea of every, as I know, on the private, on the Unchained Capital platform, there is a periodic reminder to say, hey, get go and check this key. Yeah, so uh, we have, so Trezor does support this idea, and I think Parker was talking about this earlier, this idea that you can actually um, confirm addresses as well on, on the device, and so we, we confirm tools uh, for that. With your own keys, you can also, so you, you, know, you plug in the Trezor, and then you look at your full, your wallet, you'll see the balances, and then you'll see that it does match up with the address that's, um, uh, on the device. And so that, that's an important aspect of that. And then it just in terms of, of your balances to make sure that everything is, is up to date, you know, you have all the XPUBs and for that, you don't even need to plug in the, the devices, but um, you know, you can see that your XPUBs that hopefully match and that you can do um, with, with the, the confirm on device and, or just loading it up fresh, because again, this is all stateless. So if you just plug in the device and you put, you set the configs up correctly, you export the XPUBs from the device and make sure that, the, that everything is still there as expected. Yeah, one thing to add there, Stefan. So um, one of the things within our private application, you know, something that we have set on as, as a default is to require every 90 days our clients just you know verify both for themselves and to us that they have access to their keys. And, and one of the, you know, we really view that as just a best practice and operational security. Again, you know, especially, you know, and it would apply. Um, to you know, someone who wasn't working with Unchained, but just explaining our rationale is that you know ultimately we are collaborating with our clients, even though they hold two out of three keys. You know, we are contributing to their security, but we are collaborating with them to secure their Bitcoin. And you know, we want to be ensured that 
you know, they have they actually have access to the keys. And by putting in you know a 90 day key check, and again every time a customer creates a transaction, we count that as a key check. All that is designed to do is ensure that keys do not go stale. And one of the things that Buck was talking about earlier is you know in our two of three setup, you know within our private application, we do generally recommend that clients hold backups. And again, that we you know, we recognize that there is no one size fits all, but you know, really, you know, when we're, we're working with clients, um, they can be in a position where they could ac lose access to three different pieces of information and still be able to recover their funds. Uh, they essentially have two keys and two backups. But we, what we want them to do and what we train them to do using kind of periodic key checks is it's okay, you know, potentially for you to lose access to one key. But we don't want someone to be in a situation where they potentially go a year or two years not knowing that they've lost access to one key. And that could just mean that you know, they don't have access to a safe deposit box, uh, not that someone's necessarily maliciously stolen a key. And then in that intermittent period, unbeknownst to them, they then lose access to a second piece of information or a third piece of information. And that just by doing that periodically, they're ensuring that keys don't go stale such that if they ever do, multi-sig is designed to allow to protect against that, but it, there's, there's a certain threshold there. And by you know, periodically verifying that yes, you do have access to the keys, the, the, those keys still do work, then ultimately the long-term security of your Bitcoin is preserved. And this again highlights the, another important aspect of, of multi-sig, right? It's like if you're in a single signature situation, um, ha having that, uh, taking your keys out essentially to prove that you still have access to them is actually leaving you uh, somewhat exposed if you're in a single sig situation, right? Like, but in, in this situation where you're multi-sig, you show that one key, nothing ha nothing really happens. And you have that redundancy. So if you find out that, okay, you, you had lost your key, that key, you still have another one somewhere else. And it just, like as Parker was explaining, it kind of like brings that to the front of mind. It doesn't let you just kind of forget about what's going on and, and hopefully recover. And then once you find that other one, you can sweep the funds to another new multi-sig and kind of reestablish that two or three security that you had before. Right, yeah. yeah really, we have to really what, what, what we've noticed too is, um, you know, we've been onboarding customers to our multi-sig vaults who, you know, in certain cases have never had Bitcoin before. Um, in other cases are coming off of Coinbase. And, you know, having those protections in place, not just in terms of the key checks, in terms of training them on the behavior, because we also do recognize that, that as Bunk mentioned, like when you do take your keys or when you access your keys, there is some degradation may maybe to the security of those key locations. So we do give people the opportunity to, to disable those key checks. Again, in most instances, instances our, our clients really value it because it trains their behavior and they, you know, are more assured that they will have access to the keys when they need them. But that, that just being in that world where there are guardrails, there are instructions as to you know, kind of best practices, but then also knowing that, you know, and, and if we think about this in a world relative to single keys versus multi-sig and multi-sig with, you know, a collaborative custody partner like Unchained or even like Akasa, that one of the principal benefits of that is, is knowing that you could potentially lose three access to three pieces of information, but as long as you have that fourth, your funds aren't lost. And that actually promotes people holding private keys that otherwise might not. Um, and so, you know, being able to provide people not only the ability to, to maintain, you know, sovereignty over their money, but to provide the security that, you know, again, you know, a partner doesn't have to be a company like Unchained. It could be a family member, a brother, 
you know, a sister, a parent, that, that those type of protections and diversities in key management actually allows for greater adoption of you know, self-custody, private key ownership, uh, whereas many of those people who wouldn't otherwise you know, opt for those solutions would just have their coins sitting on a coin base and you know, living under the false pretense that they're safe when in reality, they're just protecting a, a form of authentication that's inherently harder to protect. Like so much else, in, so much else in Bitcoin that just makes you more aware of all these other things that you kind of took for granted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, Parker, I'm curious, uh, what's your experience been in terms of getting customers to be familiar and using multi-signature, right? Because I can imagine most people are coming from this world where they're just used to having it, you know, well, on say on some exchange somewhere or just in a single signature scenario. Have you found that uh, recently you're seeing more customers get familiar with this idea of multi-signature? Yeah, definitely. And I think that it is important to recognize, and it's also one of those benefits of a tool like Caravan that, that we recognize that we're in this phase where um, you know, multi-sig as a standard has been used by you know, most institutions that are helping secure Bitcoin on behalf of other individuals, but most individuals that are using or that, that are securing their Bitcoin through self-custody are relying on single keys historically and, and, and realistically to this point today. But having a tool like Caravan available to people, as well as services like Unchain or services like Casa, it, it's starting to expose people to, to how it works. And they're, they're realistically, even for people who've you know, been securing their Bitcoin for a long time, th there are knowledge gaps into what's actually happening. And you know, getting people in and, and having them see demos and having people then start to, to use multi-sig and educate their friends is important because one of the things that we're working on is, you know, I think most people that you know, rely on a single hardware device to facilitate self-custody, uh, it, it, it creates some confusion as to actually what's happening because they associate, as an example, the Bitcoin being on the device uh, rather than there being a key on the device and that key being required to create a signature to then move Bitcoin. And so one of the harder things for people to understand um, when they come over to the world of multi-sig is where are the actual Bitcoin? And realistically, the Bitcoin are always where they were, um, you know, associated with addresses and protected by keys. But you know, one of the benefits of multi-sig is it, it is uh, really you know, taking something and, and people thinking of you know, a single hardware device as both a key and a wallet to it really just being a key. Um, and it creates um, not necessarily even a layer of abstraction, but additional layers of security where you're, you're, you're being educated not only on how you know, Bitcoin works and how Bitcoin addresses works, but that if someone was actually you know, to get a hold of a key and say it was a treasure and they load it up, there is no linkage between that device and a Bitcoin address. And so somebody could load that device up, even if they were able to access the device you know, and someone hadn't used it in a single SIG you know, mechanism, then they'd load it up and there'd be zero Bitcoin on there. And they have no way of knowing you know, what other you know, keys or where those keys were. And so I do think that we are helping to, you know, through like, this early phase, bridge, the, bridge some knowledge gap, educate, but now it is becoming more intuitive. Caravan is part of that story, 
but by getting in and, and interacting and uploading keys and creating signatures and broadcasting signatures, you know, we are still recognizing that we're in this very early phase, but we're getting to that point where the early adopters are getting comfortable. And there's certainly things, and, and again, Caravan is a key part of that process where even though you know, we believe Caravan and multisig in general, again, it's not something you know you, we view the, the service that, that we offer through Unchain is, is extremely valuable, but you know, the team at Casa is working similarly on, on interesting things, you know, and, and interesting applications to improve people's security. That you know, when 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 we're in that process, and we're and we're thinking about advancements, we know that there still are some uh, challenges of, of being able to to really make multisig as secure as it ultimately can be. And you know, having device, being able to use multiple different devices, uh, being able to reliably not have you know, update, updates to, to firmwares, potentially break signing capabilities, uh, coalescing around standards, that there still are things that we can actually do on the development side to increase security. But having client, the first wave of clients come in, the first wave of people that are using multi-sig in an individual capacity to come through, uh, understand how it works to then be able to communicate it to friends and family. We are seeing that and we, we, we do think that we, we have you know, incremental steps to take, but we've already broken down a significant amount of the barrier. Awesome. Um, so look, uh, also while I've got you guys here, also wanted to talk a little bit about what we've done recently with Bitcoin Adventures. So uh, for listeners who aren't aware, I'm one of the partners with Bitcoin Adventures, uh, and we have just recently uh, completed uh, an allocation. So Unchained gave Bitcoin Adventures an allocation to invest in the company. Uh, and uh, those of you who are interested, if you are anywhere in the world, if you are an accredited investor, you are able to invest as part of our syndicate. And so I'll, I'll put a link in the description later for those of you who are interested. Uh, but our first uh, deal was actually with Unchained. So uh, w um, I think from our perspective, those of us who are uh involved with Bitcoin Adventures, see a lot of potential and see think, you know, Unchained Capital is a great um, business in the space um, and see that uh, really it's really building towards that vision that we have uh, going forward. And so uh, I thought I'd just uh, put that comment out there. Um, and uh, perhaps, Parker, you could just tell us a little bit about the vision uh, that you've got uh, and what, what Unchained are trying to build out in terms of, um, you know, Bitcoin financial services. And I potentially, you know, I, I particularly like uh, that it's building out in a way that's sort of really respecting the ethos of Bitcoin. Um, so that for me is something important that I, I really like about Unchained. Uh, but uh, curious to get your thoughts as well, Parker, on uh, sort of where you see it going. Yeah, well, well first, I, I just want to say thank you. You know, uh, we are uh, humbled to have you know, Bitcoin Ventures as a partner. And really, you know, when we think about Unchained, you know, me personally and you know, I think there, there is just this culture within the company that that it's really by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. And, you know, I think that, you know, not even specific to Unchain within the Bitcoin space, you know, while we're right in a big way about Bitcoin, we, we recognize that we are still very much in the minority of the world. And even within the, and these are trigger words for me, but even within the crypto and blockchain worlds, having a view of developing applications specifically for Bitcoin and Bitcoiners is the minority. And, and for us, it is important. We do want to have, you know, both have our clients have the ability to invest in Unchain as well as others that may not be clients of Unchain, but like what it is we're building and how we're building it. And, you know, partnering with Bitcoin Ventures 
and having Bitcoin ventures through AngelList uh, allocate to, to Unchain is a great way to further connect us with, with uh, the community and, and our clients. And so it's really important to us um, and, and we really value it a lot. And, and we're you know, extremely thankful for Corey, Jan, uh, Lewis, yourself, all the work that you guys do. And realistically, it's not something that's specific to Unchain. It may be the first allocation, but there are many interesting projects and important projects within the Bitcoin space. And given the dynamics with a lot of the traditional VCs that may not have you know, as um, clear a view as to what Bitcoin is and the, and the right projects to fund, having an entity um, and a fund like Bitcoin Ventures really is important. You know, In our view, uh, we're incredibly grateful to have Bitcoin Ventures as a partner, but then we're excited to see the many other co uh, companies that will be funded through that platform. So, um, you know, first and foremost, we're thankful for it. You know, in terms of Unchain and in our vision, you know, really, you know, thinking about it as building the private bank and the financial services for Bitcoin the right way. And 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 there, you know, when I say the right way, there is no true right way. It's you know. It's an output of a lot of Bitcoiners coming together and recognizing what are the most acute problems that we have today, and then how would we best solve them? And, and our solution at Unchain isn't going to be necessarily the same as somebody at Casa, at River, at Cold Card, but but in aggregate, we're all complementing each other in, in some way. And so today at Unchain, you know, we really think about it as having that core nucleus around vaults, around multisig, around caravan, because if a few number of people own Bitcoin today, 100% of people are going to need it. And in order, uh, not necessarily for Bitcoin to be viable, but just to, to accelerate that curve, we need ways for people to securely store their Bitcoin in a sovereign way. And then the way that we think about um, Unchain and our vision, it really is one of Bitcoin ubiquity. Um, and we're working to, to build out a Bitcoin native ecosystem so that people can not only securely store their Bitcoin, but then maximize the value of that Bitcoin. And so today, alongside the uh, the vault product and multi-sig, we issue uh, Bitcoin-backed loans for people that are looking to preserve their Bitcoin for the long term, uh, but need access to dollar liquidity today. But really, you know, in terms of the, the services suite, it, it is going to be much broader than that. Um, you know, one thing that you know I'll you know announce here: we are we have just launched a pilot that's only in Texas. To, to be able to buy Bitcoin through Unchain, uh, we you know we just launched it last week. Uh, we we onboarded a client who had never owned Bitcoin before. And when we think about um, really blurring those those lines of an on ramp, where you know traditionally or how people may have thought about Unchain up until this point, it is you know multi sig and vaults and lending. But realistically, if you wanted to be an Unchain client uh, today, you would have had to acquire your Bitcoin somewhere else. And you know. Again, it is just a pilot. We are testing it out. We are operating more in an OTC capacity, but it is really a powerful idea that you can go from zero to cold stored multi-sig and, and be able to allocate the Bitcoin. And, and we're trying to, to really tear down all of those barriers such that, that you never have to go to, go to an exchange, um, but, but, but recognize that there still is value. Um, so so that, that's a big project that they're working on. And then as we expand, it's just really thinking about as Bitcoin is commercialized and as Bitcoin evolves, what are the needs that need solved? And in us as Bitcoiners, where do we need them solved you know, most pressingly? And so really, as we think about Bitcoin, it, we view it as money. And then 
you know, as we think about money, what what do we need alongside of that? It's financial services, and and the right way, at least in our views, to build that is create the custody solution that ensures people's security for the long term, but that doesn't compromise their sovereignty. Should sovereignty be a goal? And so we want to be that preferred place where you know maybe if you're a company, sovereignty isn't the goal and the financial control is. And so you may want to live in a collaborative custody suite where you only have one key, Unchained holds one key, and a third party holds the third. But really thinking about you know re-envisioning the, the Bitcoin on-ramp, re-envisioning how companies and individuals will be custodying their Bitcoin in the future, and then layering on additional financial services as we go, kind of starting with that ethos that, that keys are important and that keys do matter. And that each one of the financial services that comes from here out on after, and again, today it's it's custody, you know, lending, beginning to help people buy directly to cold stored vaults um, and cold stored multi-sig, thinking about the future of payments, but really just that, that, that very clear focus on Bitcoin and what the applications are that, that individuals and businesses, and we already have a number of businesses that, that, that are on our platform from family offices to, to on-ramps based in, in Australia, investment funds, operating businesses that, that hold Bitcoin and treasury. And then in recognizing that you know, individuals have businesses and businesses have individuals and helping solve all of those needs. So um, you know, there are, you know, incrementally as Bitcoin is commercialized, there will be you know, different applications again today in the world where you, know, you can still, still spend your depreciating fiat the, the core focus is on preserving your Bitcoin and storing it for the long term and then acquiring it. So that's really where we're focused today. But but we do kind of view in, over the long term Bitcoin as a, as a global transactional currency and that Unchained will help its clients facilitate not only the security of their Bitcoin, but then also the movement and the facilitation of transactions, you know, however and wherever that may be. Yeah, that's really great. Um, yeah, really uh, aligned with that vision. I think um, it's a really great step as well, that idea of helping people buy and directly have it already in cold storage. And so already in a multi-signature cold storage, which would just be a huge step forward in terms of uh, the ecosystem and the ability for people to keep it secure. And another really cool thing with that is also if it is known that multi-signature is really easy to do and it's commonplace, then we might actually see less kind of efforts of like armed robbery or less efforts of like people trying to steal and attack because they know it's already a hard target, right? Whereas if you kind of know, oh, multi-signature is really hard, then, it, you know, someone might be thinking, oh, hey, he's probably got single signature, you know, uh, you know, whereas now in this kind of multi-signature world, it's actually helping make it more uh, secure for everyone and so it's, it's a really big uh, ecosystem benefit there um so yeah, and it really it really is you know for our, for you know um you know never disclose the identity of clients but just having that idea of a client and he may have even made the reference that you know yeah, i'm probably the first person that bought bitcoin straight into multi-sig cold storage um and, and didn't ever have to go to a coinbase and and that idea of being able to you know, educate users and have them feel comfortable because that is another element of it that 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 user may not have felt comfortable if it was just going to a single sig in certain applications and others and especially for sophisticated users they would but being able to make that jump that the application of multi-sig but then also in our instance by having unchained be a key holder feeling you know extra protected that you know i know now i have these pieces of information i know how i'm supposed to secure them i know how they work and i know that should you know any 
individual or even multiple you know, points of these, of these pieces of information, whether it's hardware devices or backups, should I lose access to them, I have Unchained there to, to help me move funds. And I'm also not then having to grab an address to, to, to send it over to my um, you know, multi-sig wallet at Unchained. I can just have it deposited directly there. So it really was a powerful experience. It's something that we want to do more, but it is really, you know, it speaks to the vision that we have for Unchained, that it's more than just custody and it's more than just lending. It's, it's, and it's also more than just highly sophisticated and technical users. It is kind of blurring the gap between, you know, kind of onboarding and on-ramping to, you know, getting people in a world where they're comfortable holding keys and that they can be in that world without having and bypassing a world of full custody. Excellent. And so I guess just from a caravan standpoint, as that was our focus for most of this episode, uh, is there anything else that listeners should look out for coming up or potentially are there any areas that you'd be interested in, say, pull requests or contributions? Well, one thing that I, I you know, an honorable mention, or maybe it deserves even more of an honorable mention, um, and I'll, I'll screw up his last name, so I'll just go with Kevin. But, you know, it, it was an example where, um, you know, now a friend of our company's, uh, Kind of looked at Caravan and then built out a what, what um, he dubbed a cold car kitchen and just you know, took the initiative to, to develop an application uh, on top of or, or relying on and u- utilizing Caravan. And so, you know, we do want Caravan to be a tool um, to, to elicit kind of contributions from outside developers uh, to, to come up with ideas. Um, we've been talking with Christopher Allen with fully, you know, with fully noted and, and they've been working to try to make fully noted compatible with Caravan. So that is an important element. I think, you know, Buck mentioned it before, if there's a single probably next thing coming to Caravan, it is um, cold card support. Um, but then also, you know, for Unchained Capital Vault clients, what you'll start to see is a lot of this functionality that's been pushed in the upgrade to Caravan coming into Unchained Vault um, and, and having the benefit of that, that new XPUB architecture, the, the confirm on device, um, in the future, kind of you know, having that UTXO management. Um, and so, so realistically from here with Caravan, you know, kind of increasing the ability to, to verify addresses on device, um, cold car support, PSVT, um, but, then, but then, you know, kind of bigger, bigger improvements then coming as we um, kind of merge that functionality into the Unchained Vault. Fantastic, guys. Um, well, look, I think that's probably uh, the key points I was interested to touch on. Um, so let's just leave it with um, where listeners who want to find you guys online, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm on Twitter at, at Buck Perley and uh, GitHub. You can find me on the, the Caravan and Unchained open source projects as well as as, as well as some of the uh, LSAT stuff I, I I maintain with Tyrion. So um, yeah, GitHub and, and Twitter are probably the, the two best places for, for me. Yeah, and you can find me uh, at Parker A. Lewis on Twitter. And uh, you can also check out a lot of the updates on Caravan um, on, on our blog at unchained-capital.com. Um, my DMs are open on Twitter. Our team's based in Austin, Texas. So as the as the global shutdown thaws, if you're in Austin, you know, definitely look us up. Uh, you know, not only is the team of at Unchain here in Austin, but then we've got an awesome uh, folks in the Bitcoin community around town. So if you're ever in town, definitely look us up, um, and you can find us online. 
and, and, and please do reach out with questions. And if you're interested in contributing to Caravan, whether you work with a hardware wallet or you're just a developer um, looking to contribute, you know, we are looking for, for active involvement. Yeah, we have uh, a lot of issues public on, on GitHub if anybody's interested in contributing or, or looking to get used to uh, the the code a little bit. They're they're all labeled. You know, there, there's some easier ones to kind of get your feet wet. Um, and if you did want to play around with stuff like cold card, PSBT, um, bug fixing, or extra features, I think there's there's a lot there. And and we're pretty active on GitHub as well. So uh, if you had any questions about where to start, just uh, just reach out to us because we we love contributors and we love working in the open source community. So. That's great. Thanks very much, guys. I'm a big fan. I love the work you guys are doing. So thank you for the work you're doing on Caravan and on Unchained Capital. I think that's pretty much going to do it for this episode. So thanks for joining me. And uh, for everyone else, we'll see you out in the Citadels. All right. See you, Stavon.